And welcome again to the 10-Minute Live Coach, the once again free-flowing, free-form uh, podcast where we just get on and talk. No intro music, no outro music, no sponsors, no big production, just me yakking and very little, if any, editing as it goes along. This is an extension of an older podcast. We're literally just jumping onto it brand new. And hopefully you are enjoying the version three, we believe, of it. We, we like to think that it shifted some from the pilot to its ending around episode 42. And hopefully you're enjoying where we're going right now. And if you aren't, well, let us know by sending a letter, email. Well, email. You can send a letter if you have my address. But the email address is mailbox at jclevelandpain.net. J, letter J. Cleveland like the city, P-A-Y-N-E dot net. So today we're going to talk about keeping up with your own house and essentially finding the greatness in your own abilities and your own achievements and not being jealous of others, which can be hard because others' achievements may earn them more, more accolades, more money, more respect, and your achievements, while almost as great, are just almost as great by comparison. The best comparison I use is one that works for me here, living here in the state of Arkansas. A guy named Tyson Gay, just a normal guy, more or less. Uh, you went to the University of Arkansas here in the state and ran track for the university and broke a lot of college records. He went on to run track for Americans team in various different sports, various different events, and does a lot of great things now overseas, of course, where all the money is in track. But he runs well. He's very fast. He's had some issues with some some doping stuff that that popped up a couple years ago. But he's always been there for the big competitions and always runs well in big competitions and usually beats world records. Yes, Tyson Gay has an ability to run so fast, has so much power, so much speed, that he often breaks world records in major competitions. But here's the problem. Running next to him, or actually slightly ahead of him, has been Usain Bolt of Jamaica. So while Tyson Gay has plenty of silver medals and has broken plenty of track records and world records, the people, the person who owns those track records and world records are the guy who has all the gold medals running to his left or his right based on how they're placed that day, Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt is essentially the fastest man in the world for the past eight years or so in competition. And we'll see how he does and how he does in the next Olympics events, but it's got to be frustrating for a person. Now, I don't know him personally. It's got to be frustrating for a guy like Tyson Gay, who trains so hard and works so well and does so well in competition, to come up second. Not only to come up second, he's doing it by beating people out, beating up world records, literally running faster than the last man to run the event. And the only problem is. The guy next to him is running just enough faster, just faster enough to outpace him and take the record, take the win, take the gold in uh, other competitions, take the money in a sense. So what do you do if you're Tyson Gay? Well, if you're Tyson Gay, number one, you try to avoid races where you're running against Usain Bolt uh, so that you can get some medals and get some wins and take some top money in some places. But you also learn to live on your own accolades. He is the U.S. record holder for these times because he's a U.S. citizen, even if he doesn't have the world record. He knows he's beaten the last guy. He knows how good he is. He knows in the grand scheme of competition where he stands. He might be number two, but it's number two uh, in a very elite class of very fast, very powerful performers. 
That might not make him all that happy, but that's just kind of the reality. If you live too far in your head and just think, I've got to beat this guy, I've got to beat this guy, and you just can't seem to do it, well, then you can grow to have issues as well. Let's go back to another sports analogy and go to Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, one of the greatest NBA players of all time, has no championship rings, never won a championship. He was famous for being drafted and playing with the Philadelphia 76ers where he got all his real accolades and all his real love. But the Sixers were never any good during his tenure there. Actually, they've not been very good for a long time. But while he was there, they weren't good enough to win a championship. An oddity happened. Down in Houston, there was a, you know, they talk about LeBron and his big three with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, but there was a big three of sorts that built was built in Houston. Houston Rockets had Akeem Olajuwon, one of the greatest centers of all time, who was joined by Clyde Drexler, who was essentially the second to Michael Jordan, albeit a bit older than Jordan, essentially the second in ranking in the guards, who played for Portland Trailblazers. And he went down to Houston to team up with Olajuwon to win a championship. It's, it's one of the few times where you've seen those things where kind of older guys get together to make this thing happen. The next year, Charles Barkley went to Houston to kind of gravy train off that, and it didn't happen for him that year. Charles Barkley ended his career as a Phoenix Sun, and he was doing fairly well, but he wasn't on a championship team there as well, and he basically was there as sort of the leader to help build up a younger team that, when he left, uh, was a staple for great showings, although they never won a championship either. What do you do if you're Charles Barkley? Well, you live off your loyals. Charles Barkley is a great guy, a great personality, and I don't know him personally either, but uh, he has made a very good name for himself by just being honest and being an analyst. He's a great analyst for, right now, TNT most times, and when they do college basketball now that they've joined Turner and CBS have joined together, he's become a master at college analytics for the game there. He's just a real talk speaker who says his mind and can give you an opinion on various topics and even threaten to run for governor of Alabama at some point. If he does, I'm moving back to Alabama and voting for him. I don't care what party he's in. It's one thing to know you're great at something, but to also know that you're not the best at something. You have to learn to live with your laurels, your greatness, how good you are compared to how good other people are. If you're the best, that's awesome. If you're not quite the best, well, you're as good as you are, especially if you know you rank up very high. Now, the two examples I gave here, and I do a lot of sports examples, is examples that are very finite. You can gauge the time on a watch and see who won the race. You can check out the scoreboard and see how many points were scored who scored the most points, who is the winner, who wins the championship by winning the most games out of the tournament. But in regular life, sometimes you can't really quantify who's the better what. You may have a a sibling rivalry where you and your brother or sister are always arguing over who's better at whatever, including who gets more love from your parents. You may have a rivalry at work where if you're not a salesperson, you don't have hard numbers to go for, uh, who's more productive in whatever you're doing? Who's getting more stuff done? Who's getting least stuff done? Who's spending more time working on things? And who is actually more important to an organization? Sometimes the guy that gets all the cheers and all the joy and all the accolades isn't necessarily the most important person in the room. 
you would be amiss of how many times you think about the top performer in a sales organization, but you don't think about the guy that comes in late at night and dumps all the trash and shreds all the tr- other stuff and gets makes sure that the office is clean and serviceable. There are plenty of people out there who are living in the shadows, making sure that things happen and things work out the way they should. That the people who are crowning achievements, who get the crowning achievements, who do their best and are on the top, uh, sometimes forget that they're not who they are without a lot of people behind them. And they're also not where they are without the competition. They don't have someone to push against, uh, someone to you know be on the other side to defend. They don't necessarily do as well as, as, they, as they should. Another big sports analogy, I use a lot of sports analogies, is used in football where you talk about a bad team as they're taking on a good team. And something that a lot of the analysts say, especially the former players say, is you have to remember that the guys on the other end of the field, other side of the court, the guys opposing the good team, they got a paycheck coming to them too. They're on a team, they are professionals, and they are paid to do a job. They may not be as well reversed in the job. They may not be have as much talent. They may not have the star power. They may not be very good, but they're paid to defend their side of the field. They're paid to stop the other team from scoring. Whether they do it or not is you know debatable. How well they do it or not is debatable, but they are paid to stop the other people. So without an opposing team, your team of all-stars, your team of superstars, guys with all the talent, is useless. You can't play a game if no one's on the other side. You may say, well, that's great, forfeit. No, you don't show greatness by winning by forfeit. You show greatness by winning on the field. When you're doing your best, you're doing the top job that you can do, and remember, other people may outscore you, may outdo you, may be seen with more accolades and more uh, fanfare, but you have to learn to see where your, your talents lie, how good you are, and compare your best to your best not necessarily to others best because sometimes comparing yourself to others best is just going to make your best which could be awesome look dull in comparison and then you start to wonder why you're even out there in the first place that concludes this podcast or at least the lesson for this podcast and on that note we don't compare our best to anyone else's best at least not at the moment we relaunched the podcast uh, in the last four weeks this is episode number four of the relaunch i believe it's 46 or 47 i don't even keep up the numbers quite yet and we are not trying to shoot for you know itunes top news new and noteworthy because we're just trying to basically get our feet back under ourselves and doing the podcast we thank you so much for listening we thank you for the feedback we've gotten so far uh we hadn't begged for reviews and i guess now we'll start if you want to help us out and gain some traction go to itunes or whatever uh pod catcher you use a stitcher one of the most popular ones for uh, windows users but go to wherever you get your feeds for podcasts and vote us with as many stars as you like i'm not going to beg for five stars because that's essentially what people do if you think we're four star, let us know. If you think we're one star, let me know and just give me some good feedback and we'll work to make it, you know, at least a two or three. We can't compare ourselves to the big ones because let's be honest, those scores are kind of skewed. And most of the times all those reviews because people are just kind of, you know, essentially kissing up to the host or begging for free stuff, they get five star reviews just because they, they ask for them. We're asking for as close to honest feedback as possible, which is hopefully honest feedback. Give us as many stars you think we deserve, and we will work on the feedback you give us. In the meantime, 
are also working on getting a tighter schedule and a better website, or at least completing the website with words instead of a lot of uh, lipsum, ipsum um, text that's kind of filling it right now. So if you are a fan of the original 10-Minute Life Coach podcast from years ago, shoot me an email. Let me know how you think this is doing and what we can do to make it better. That, of course, as we said, mailbox at jclevelandpain.net. Uh, that's all the housekeeping I have right now, essentially all we have for the podcast. So now is the point where we let you know how you can contact us, which I actually just did. My website is jclevelandpain.net. Email is mailbox at jclevelandpain.net. So you can let me know whatever you need to let me know there at the mail. Also, you can find me online. Just look for variations of J. Cleveland Payne on the social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Pinterest, on LinkedIn. I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones that I'm, I'm forgetting right now, a bunch of other ones that I don't even uh, update enough. But I'm all over the place. I'm looking for your help. Find me online. And, of course, tell people about the 10-Minute Life Coach. We are checking to make sure that everything is back to normal, trying to make sure our iTunes feeds is good, uh, the Stitcher feed is good, everything is good. Like we said, uh, mostly we've been just trying to do a podcast, trying to make sure we can have the time to do this. So thank you so much for spending the time, the 13 or so minutes, listening to this full podcast. And if you're not this far, you won't know that, but the 10 minutes or so you had in the lesson. We appreciate you and all the time you give up to us because we know there's plenty of other, millions of other options for audio, and you chose us. I'm Jay Cleveland Payne. Once again, thank you for being a part of the 10-Minute Life Coach Podcast, and stay tuned for hopefully another week of wisdom boiled down in a bite-sized portion, just about 10 minutes or less.